Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This is Top of the Cox, Volume 3. We've put together a selection of clips from past episodes which we love and they should tide you over for a bit until we put out some new ones next week. This first one starts with comedian Tom Allen from our live Christmas special, back when we were allowed to gather together in public. Also when we were allowed to have Christmas together, both of which feel like a distant memory. But don't fear, just sit back and listen and let the gentle smattering of applause warm your heart and calm your mind, and then continue listening to a load of funny bits from other episodes and we'll resume regular service next week. Hi, I'm James Deacon, and welcome to Desert Island Dicks Live in London. This is a show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they are a dick is up to you. And here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is comedian Tom Allen. Hi, how's it going? How's it going? Good, good, good. I like this venue. I like how we share the stage with a toilet. Yeah, yeah. It's, right it's a toilet. It's very exciting, isn't it? Who's going to come out next? Yeah. It's like a sort of Noel's house party. Yeah. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming and doing this. Uh, so you should. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Tom, who's going to be the third choice who does on? Oh, yes. Somebody who is rude to me in a Scandinavian style bakery. Okay. <laughs> Um, which should have been like, I have such high hopes every time I see one of those Scandinavian style bakeries, which largely involve, I would say, polished concrete, um, um, those sort of yes. like um, exposed plaster, maybe some exposed plaster, lovely lighting, mm. um, nice slate, everything, slate, lots of slate, maybe a, a trim of wood, mm. um, and so rude, so rude, really? so just obnoxious. Well, I went in there to get my favorite, which is a smoked salmon and dill. Um, Roll and <laughs> and it's got like a name that's like Babaka Kachos and um, and I'll try and say that and then I'll always be tempted by like and maybe they do a thing called a cinnamon no what do they call it a, a cinnamon swirl social a oh. cinnamon social a social swirl, slice a social slice yeah I've seen so this. is that a thing yeah, yeah, yeah. or you think do you know the shop I mean I think are we so, allowed yeah. to say it yeah Ole and Steen Ole and Steen yeah. oh yeah you know oh, no. fine 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 <laughs> Guys, you guys, people who come out to a, what, a recording of a podcast on a Tuesday. You know Ollie and Steve. Um, <laughs> yeah. I thought I had to somehow cope, cope with another language. Um, but they're just very, like, and uh, don't get me wrong. I love nice things. I yeah. love being a wanker. But I expect to be thanked for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And in what way? In what way? Well, just like that I was going in there every day for my soap, smoked salmon. Um, Danish seeded roll and um, with pickled cucumber and dill. And I was really enjoying it. I was telling everyone about it, even though the bread had been kept in the fridge, which I don't like. Because <laughs> yeah. if I wanted a sandwich that tasted of the fridge, I'd go to Marks and Spencer's. <laughs> All their sandwiches taste of the fridge, don't they? So I went to Ole Enstein, Ole Enstein, and yeah. um, so um, this woman, I go in there every day and she's always just really mardy with me. Mm. Very northern word. Um, very moody, very grumpy about everything. And I'm just like, well, and I'm, every time, because I have to be liked. And every time I'd be like, hello, how are you? And she's like, fine, what do you want? And I'm like, um, well, um, I was thinking I'll get the smoked salmon. Like, why do you even need to ask? I get the same thing every day. 
And then I'd say, what's the nicer one? I said on one occasion, what's the nicer one? The, um, the, 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 the cinnamon one or the, or the cinnamon social swirl or the chocolate social swirl. And she said, they're both nice. <laughs> Didn't help at all. So I, I still bought so the rude. chocolate one. Yeah. I still, I mean, I still go there. Um, but um, just so rude. And once I asked her to have it grilled, have, have a, a different sandwich actually toasted, but um, she had to go and get the manager. Why? <laughs> Let's see if you can toast it. it, it yeah, yeah. And wow. then and then the manager said, no, we can't toast those ones because something's wrong with the bread. <laughs> so I couldn't have a toasted one. You have to have a different bread if you want it toasted. And I just thought, what's the point in being alive? <laughs> Some people put so many obstacles in your way. If you want, if you want a toaster, you've got to go to Greg's. You've got to go to Greg's. <laughs> so now I go to Greg's all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like yesterday, I'd I was... I'd love in, to see you in a Greg's. <laughs> I... Do you know what? I've only been to a Greg's once, and it was when I was in Wakefield, and um, and um, it was really nice. Actually, they were, everybody was really nice. They recognised me. Oh, nice. only at the end though, which annoyed me. Do they not recognise? Um... <laughs> <laughs> do they not recognise you in Ole and Steve? No, and no way. No. Or if they do, they are going out of their way to remind me that they don't care. <laughs> not only do they not recognise you, they don't remember your order. They don't remember my order. They don't. They would not remember me if I was if I was dead in the street. They wouldn't. They would not come out with a smoked salmon roll. What did you order? Pro- on the day I'm dead in the street, that's the day they go. Oh, we toasted your roll. <laughs> yeah, and chuck it. We on just your brought in the toasting thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What did you order in Greg's? Um, I think it was a black coffee and a maybe some sort of. I was going to say baked good, but I don't think it was. I think it was some sort of sandwich again. Okay. But it was breakfast time. It's so maybe like a BLT, which I right. think is acceptable as a breakfast sandwich. Would you yeah. say? Like, sure. I don't think, funnily enough, I don't think sandwiches are acceptable in the morning, are they? No. If you went out for breakfast to a restaurant and they were like, would you like a sandwich? I'd say, absolutely not. But if they brought something out on toast, oh, that's completely fine. <laughs> yeah, as long as it's open. It's, it has to be, which is, again, a very Scandinavian thing to do. Yes. Ole and Steen are trying to take over the fucking world. Yeah. Um, no, if it's an open thing, then it's fine. Mm. Why is that? I don't know. What's yeah. with that? Anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so this rude bakery person. Yeah. What What would they be like on the island? Um, really annoyed that I dragged them there, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Considering the they, don't, they don't like seeing me for the three minutes I see them yeah. of a lunchtime. <laughs> so I can only imagine how furious they'd be to be stuck in the middle of nowhere with me for the rest of their lives. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think they'd be very angry. Mm. I don't know what they'd be doing. On the island. I mean, I presumably, know, I if their calling has always been to work in a, a Scandinavian-style bakery, I don't know how they're going to replicate that. <laughs> on the island. On yeah. the island. No. I don't, maybe they could build some... Well, there's be, there'll be plenty of slate. Sure, yeah. And maybe some sort of oak, some sort of wood yeah. with yeah. a fallen palm tree here. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, it's kind maybe, of what it's like in there. Yeah. yeah. They'd yeah. be able to fashion some sort of uh, coffee shop. Yeah. Which they'd, be, <laughs> yeah. which they'd open... Just to make you coffee. Yeah, me. Yeah. Your only purpose here is to continue making me coffee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Which would not be available, presumably. And um, they take great pride in telling me every day, no. <laughs> yeah. We don't have that. Yeah. I'd still ask for it to be toasted. You're trying to get off the island? No, Tom. No, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah Shakespeare, I bet, would love it. <laughs> he would love it. Love it. Love what it. a great character for Shakespeare. What a... Oh, yes. Wouldn't it be? The curmudgeonly... Yeah. Scandinavian bakery worker yeah i think you're actually think, building i remember that from the tempest dream. Yeah, yeah yeah very much a midsummer night's dream okay yes. yeah oh i'm trying to think of another 
baking pun Shakespeare play. Omelette. That's the only thing I could think of. They don't do omelettes. Yeah, no, I can't think of it. They'd love to tell you they don't do that either. Okay. And here to share their Desert Island dicks with us today is writer and journalist Joel Golby. Who's going to be the first person to join you on the island? Well, okay. It's Eamon Holmes. Uh, <laughs> okay. And the thing is, like, I don't even hate Eamon Holmes. He he inspires very little in in me, and I assume in everyone else. But I think that's why he's lived rent-free inside my head for as many years as he has. Because <laughs> Eamon Holmes has been on TV, like, as long as I have been alive mm. and I, I still don't understand why yeah because he's 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 completely inept at presenting he's he's very I find him very very charmless he sort of clonks around the set he has a, a, an air of shambolic about him a bit a bit like Mr Blobby sort of crashing through a doorway <laughs> you, you always feel like Eamon Holmes is gonna like tip over a pan of bolognese that someone's just made or like break a sofa for a joke and he co-presents quite often on this morning with his wife who seems to hate him as well so you you you've basically been invited into someone's home to watch a, a not particularly likable couple bicker with each other while just about stitching together a few a few a, a few, that sort of a cooking bit or like yeah. a, a how to style a skirt and Eamon Holmes is just there on the edge not being funny not getting on cue not hitting his lines just just causing trouble I just don't under, I don't understand how he's still a presence in, in British culture whoever looked at Eamon Holmes and went I want to see that man on TV I would say 40 hours a week that's what I want it's mad isn't it because it's like yeah, as you say, like he's not that good at doing what he does. No. He's not even sort of like charming or good looking. At least no. if you're like, oh, but yeah, obviously they put him on because you know all the board housewives in the morning. Yeah, you know, bit of Amen. But he's not that. No, and it's like, well, he's not funny. No, if if it is, you know, if we sort of go with stereotypes and presume it is a sort of majority female audience watching him, then like he's probably not. You know, he doesn't. He seems like quite a sort of. Yeah, like you say, like a cumbersome old sort of man. That yeah, isn't, you know, he's a sofa that someone put in a suit. I don't understand. Like, no one's waking up and being like, "I, I can't wait to turn the TV on and see Eamon Holmes." Did you hear what Eamon said this morning? Oh, so insightful. That dishy fucker once again, just so succinct. His timing is so brilliant. He throws to ads at just the right time. He never gets confused at satellite delays with a link to someone in America. He's, <laughs> he's the perfect person. No one ever says that. They're like, oh, here's Eamon Holmes yeah. again. A stain on your favourite T-shirt in the form of a man. <laughs> and also, I think, because he has been in telly at such a, a sort of that uh point in the in the schedule for such a long time he's probably not very cheap either no. i bet he he's expensive so it's like you're getting this package but it still it's, costs quite a lot of money it's, it's the worst value that we have but again it's it's just i don't know i think there's something strange and inherent in it says a lot about like britain that we are that we allow Eamon homes to happen at the particular luxurious price bracket he occupies the incredible mm. like spot on the schedules that he always seems to be in because it, the, in the past couple of years it's been this really strange like uh this news subculture i've noticed it especially since i 
I got an Android phone, and switched from iPhone to Android. So on Android, like a lot of news services, like do push notifications and get on all your phones. Mm. And I noticed before I really like tailored my down. So now it just sends me football scores and really boring things like that. But it it would just constantly tell me some sort of half thing that had happened on either Good Morning Britain or this morning that day. Mm. And there's this weird like race to write up what the the main talking point of this morning was on like the Mirror and the Sun and the Express websites. I don't understand why, because it's not interesting when you watch it. And so <laughs> when they write it up and go like, Eamon Holmes clonked into something again because he's a useless <laughs> fucking absolute waste of a presenter slot. But I would just get these push notifications constantly just going like, you won't believe what Eamon Holmes said in this interview. And then you watch the clip and it's just him sort of clunking over someone or talking yeah. or getting their name wrong or doing something like that. Mm. He's a very uninspiring man. Someone who occupies a similar space would be, I suppose, uh, Richard Maidley. But somehow he's got a bit of charm about him, you know. Ma- Maidley is dynamite. Maidley yeah. is gold dust. Maidley is, is, is a one-off. You know when Maidley's on camera that's... Something's going to happen. He's a spinning top. He can go in any direction. You don't know what he's going to do, who he's going to direct a question to. Quite often, the line of fire is like his own female co hosts. Mainly is live wire. He's, he's yeah. TV gold. Whereas Eamon Holmes just sort of clunks around. He slumps into view. Yeah. It's almost like they're siblings, you know, when it's like, Richard, take take Eamon with you when you go to the when you go to do your telly. Take no yeah. take him with you. And you're like, Oh mum, but I'm I'm but I've got a new contract, I can't bring Eamon. It's like take him with you. Yeah. You know. Like Eamon Holmes' mum is friends with your mum and <laughs> Whenever you, whenever he comes over, he has to play on your N sixty four, or your mum will shout at you. Yeah. And he like he always has chocolate on his hands. He smears it on the <laughs> controller. He like loses all. You've done re, you've been re, working really hard on Mario sixty four. You've got loads of lives, but he keeps like jumping off the same very simple ledge. Is <laughs> is that sort of presence? Yeah. But, it on TV for about six hundred grand a year. He baffles me, yeah. and then and then I think how frustrating I would find him in a in a survival situation mm. doing his little quips. Yeah, because I could imagine that he'd be both useless but also very opinionated on how things were being done. Like a lot of mansplaining and a lot of kind of sort of going off into anecdotes which don't really help or even relate to the subject that much. But, you know, yeah. nothing that's useful. You can sort of go, look, all you have to do is carry this firewood with me. Like, not as much as me because I know you're famous, but just a bit. Of, carry some sticks and he'd still sort of fuck it up somehow. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't think he'd, he'd be very survivalist. I think he'd do weird things like carve a roof out of a palm tree and talk to her and stuff <laughs> like that. I just, you know, and, and I wouldn't want to eat him in a... Do I, do I have to eat someone in this in this scenario? Or is there food come down with the plane as well? Well, we're going to get on to your least favourite food later. But, I mean, I would never rule out the... It's, it's, it's also Eamon Holmes, <laughs> so we could just get out of the way yeah. early. But, yeah, I just... Me, Eamon Holmes, a plane crash on an island. I just... I don't think we'd have much to say. No, no, I agree. And I just... Yeah, I just think he would... Like you say, just sort of be a combination between like a sort of a difficult celebrity who's like maybe a bit of a prima donna and also like a, an annoying younger brother at the same mm-hmm. time, you know. So that's the last thing you want to really be stuck with. 
and here to share their Desert Island dicks with us today is comedian Marlon Davis. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having us on. Okay, well, let's go straight in then. Who's going to be your first choice for the island? Um, My first choice has to be Fat Dwayne. Fat Dwayne? Okay. Yeah, you don't know Fat Dwayne. I don't know. Um, not a lot of people know Fat Dwayne. The world wouldn't know, but around my ends or my area, everyone knows Fat Dwayne. Okay. He's notorious. He's a bully, and um, he's definitely putting him on the island. Um, how my my thing with Fat Dwayne, I'll tell you this, is that we go, it goes back to when I was about 12 years old, mm. 12, 13, something like that. And um, he, he, um, he put a hit on me. Right. Yeah, which is strange. I mean, I've seen, like, hits or wanted, you know, posted. Yeah. I watch cartoons. <laughs> I was like, this is weird. What, why? This was random. And I found this out by Metal Mouth Paul told me. Metal Mouth Paul and um, another kid called Austin Sweeney. Mm. They said, um, yeah, we've heard that Fat Dwayne's after you. <laughs> and I was like, what? What's he after me for? And he goes, well, I don't know. And he broke... Austin Sweeney's arm. Wow. So like this yeah. guy was someone not to be messed with. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so I found out that he was after me. What am I gonna do? And me being how I am, I'm quite rebellious. I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like it'll be fine. And we were playing um Kirby. Mm-hmm. Do you know what Kirby is? Yeah, where you throw the ball against the curb. Against the curb, yeah. and it and you and if you catch it, you get a point, don't mm. you? Well whatever. Like it's great. So we're playing Kirby, um, great game. And um, in the distance, at the end of the road, Fat Dwayne, he just appeared out like some bushes or something. And he goes, Marlon! That's, that's how his voice was. Like, he, <laughs> he must have been to that. And a deep voice. He's a kid with a deep voice. I don't know yeah. who's born with one. He's like, Marlon, I'm after you. And I was like, what the hell? <laughs> Crazy. And I was like, whatever. And um, the first, he come down the road. And what, the worst thing I did was I ran. Mm. And running meant fear, and that was the worst thing. I, I should never have run, but because of that, now I'm like pussy <laughs> in his eyes, and everyone else, oh my god, he's, he's after Marlon, he's after Marlon. And so it was summer holidays as well, mm. and I didn't like having a hit on me. Yeah, that means you know, because I can't go out and play, can't go to shops or anything, so I have to make my sister go to the shops for me to get like the jawbreakers. <laughs> Right. And um, my sister was like, oh, come on, you know, you've got to do something about this. Fact the way you got to do nothing. And I'm like, he broke Austin's arm. Like, what's going to do to me? So she goes, oh, just sort it out. So like I went into training mm. and I watched Karate Kid, um, part one and two, as you do. <laughs> and um, I was doing all the wax on, wax off, all of that. And my mum thought it was great, but she was like, look, the house is very tidy. I like what you've done with the fence, but <laughs> look, you need to go outside and play. You're getting on my nerves. And I was like, I don't want to go outside and play because Fat Dwayne's after me. She was like, look, you just need to go out and play. And um, I went to my sister and I said, look, can you get me like some jawbreakers? She goes, no, I've had enough. You just need to go out there. Go and face your demons. Go and face your fears. I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I left the house and I weighed my way down to the corner shop, which was Yogi. Mm. Um, Yogi was a news agent. He shut down now, which is a good thing. Um, this because when she go into York, there weren't that many like shops that sold the sweets, and he sold penny sweets as well. Mm-hmm. But he used to like dig his nose and touch them, and <laughs> like he shut down. Like he had a kid in there that lived with him, 
mm. right? And she sometimes would be in the shop and her teeth was rotten. Mm. And this is not a good sign, but yeah. she, her teeth was rotten because she used to like open up sweets and eat them. And then like Yogi would just sell it to you. So like you buy a packet of like Smarties and you know the tube, there'd be nothing in it or <laughs> one or two. Like this is how it was. So but I knew that's where I was going to go and get my jaw breakers. So <laughs> the other system that Yogi had was... Um, you couldn't just push open the door and go in. It was all locked. Um, this was because he used to get uh, robbed regular, right. maybe. Or it was maybe the shop was a front for his drug dealing. I don't know what Yogi was about, right? So I got down to the shop and I pushed open the door. And he goes, oh, hi, I ain't seen you for ages. I was like, yeah, it was, it was Fat Dwayne's after me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what happened was, like, I could feel like there was some sort of eclipse <laughs> that was going on. Like there was something like, I was like, well, why did it go dark? And I turned around and outside of the door was Fat Dwayne. Nah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was just like, and then he jumped like, oh my God. And he was at the door, he was like, Marlon, I can see you in the shop. I'm after you. I was like, oh my God, he's after me. Oh my God, what am I going to do? I don't know, I don't know. The door opened and now... I was faced with Fat Dwayne, so it was like, you know, cowboys at high noon <laughs> just looking at each other. And he's there, looking at me, he goes, Marlon! I was like, Fat Dwayne. He says, Marlon! I said, Fat Dwayne. He goes, I'm after you. I said, I know. You keep saying that you're after me. You've ruined my whole summer. Look, can I ask why you're after me? He said, it's because, it's because you're going around, Marlon. Tell everyone that my name's Fat Dwayne. <laughs> I said, but you are Fat Dwayne. <laughs> and he goes, I know. It upsets me. <laughs> and I went, I'm really sorry. And Yogi said, give him a hug. <laughs> and I went over to Fat Dwayne. Right? <laughs> And he beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> the shit out of me in Yogi's shop. Like, sweets were flying everywhere. <laughs> and then everybody from the block was like, ah, oh, Fat Dwayne. Because they all came down. I was like, ah, Fat Dwayne, he's got Marlon. He's beating me up in the shop. <laughs> like, left with a black eye. And it was as horrible, right? Wow. I still had a draw break. I still had a draw breaker, but he, like, he bust dropped my jaw. I don't know. <laughs> But he instilled so much fear into me mm. and I didn't like that. And that's another reason why I was like, I wouldn't want to be on a desert island with someone like that. Yeah, right. Because yeah. you're already scared as it is anyway, but just having that there, I don't know. Oh man, I feel like you're taking me on a real journey there. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's the thing though, isn't it? Like childhood fears, like even yeah. as an adult, you know, like you go back to the, like where you grew up and there's still things that will freak you out. And you're like, no, wait, I'm a grown-up now. <laughs> you know, I, I have a job and a car and a wife. But there's still, yeah. like, the idea of, like... Yeah. You know, like, I remember getting mugged once when, where I grew up and, like, on the way to the lo- local shop. Ooh. And every now and again, like, if I see kids hanging around there, I'm just like, oh, wait, it's... Wait, no, I'm, I'm 38. Yeah. It's okay now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's post-traumatic stress, isn't it? But, yeah, if he's on the island with you... Yeah. I just going not have that. Yeah. You're just making me do stuff. Lurking. Exactly. I don't want it. <laughs>
Just lurking behind Sadiq when he's making you go the wrong way and you're, you're trying oh, to disobey Sadiq. I couldn't, yeah. And Fat Dwayne looms no, up no. behind you. Jesus. <laughs> and the thing with Fat Dwayne as well, he, he's not fat anymore. Okay. I mean, he's a personal trainer now. Oh, so now he's just huge. He's, yeah, but yeah, he's cut with it and making people's life hell mm. or pain just to try and what, emulate him. I don't know. Oh. So um, he'll he'll be he'll be like that on the island. So that's the thing. So now he's like he's still obviously got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, but now he's like tougher as well. Yeah. So he's like yeah. even more fit and and strong. Wow. But still has like the sort of the memories of being called Fat Dwayne, and you're going to end up calling that. <laughs> you're going to call him Fat Dwayne all the time out of habit. It's just like a knee jerk reaction, isn't it? And you'll be like, oh, we need some more firewood. Oh, you're Fat Dwayne. Oh no. Uh. And, and then. I'm not fat anymore. I told you. Look, yeah, and yeah. then he'll show you his six pack and then crush you. God, yeah, oh, this, yeah. Is, this sounds horrible already. <laughs> yeah, and especially like I mean, just it's that vulnerability that you have as a child that will just always stay with you when you're around him. So I think exactly to be with him on an island. Oh, that's terrifying. That's a good choice. You already do feel vulnerable anyway because you're on the island. You're just like not aware of where you're going. Yeah. So you really feel sort of insecure and then having him there. Yeah. It's a good choice. It's a very good choice. And here to share their Desert Island dicks with us today is former Home Secretary Jackie Smith. Hello, James. Hi, Jackie. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. Um, Should we dive in? Who's going to be your first choice? My first person who it would be an utter nightmare for me to be stranded with is Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson. Well, that's probably not a massive surprise, knowing where I am. <laughs> I did well, that. though, right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's not just about his politics. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I know plenty of Tories who I wouldn't mind being stranded on a desert island with. The thing about Boris that drives me up the wall, and, you know, we can come to his recent shenanigans around the burqa, but, um, you know, this is... I try not to judge people by their backgrounds, um, you know, either posh or otherwise, but one of the things that I find really difficult to stomach about Boris is that he is a man who's had every opportunity in life, um, you know, a good education, uh, all of the privileges, and yet he has managed to prove himself to be, uh, I think, lazy, um, given the opportunity to have one of the best jobs in government as foreign secretary. He just looked as if he was winging it the whole time, and when he wasn't winging it, he was being offensive. I worked with him when I was Home Secretary when he was Mayor of London, and this is the type of man who, for a meeting that I was chairing on the security arrangements for the 2012 Olympics, turned up so late on his bike with his hair all over the shop uh, for a security meeting that we'd come to the end of the agenda and he wanted me to go back to the beginning with a bunch of other ministers and people, uh, you know, being made to go through the whole agenda again. I I refused to do it and he had a sort of bit of harumph about him. But it's that type of entitlement coupled with idleness that drives me up the wall I'm afraid Wow okay one rule for one and then another rule for the other Indeed and and you know the trouble is I, I have to say I thought he'd come to the point where the people within his own party had recognised that but it's now looking a bit scarily as if uh, he might be 
once again making a leadership bid for the leadership of the Conservative Party. And I just cannot understand why people would want to trust the man with a political party, let alone with the country. Mm. Um, you know, this, this week, of course, when he's been um, making offensive remarks about um, uh, Muslim women who are wearing a burqa, or, um, uh, it's interesting because... You know, some people put this down to a sort of gaffe. I don't. I think Garrett, uh, I think uh, Boris is too clever for that. I think he has met with Steve Bannon. I think he's taking lessons out of that alt right playbook. I think he will not apologise, but he will enjoy having been on the front of the newspapers for the last week. And in fact, of course, I'm playing exactly into his hands by saying he's the person I really, really dislike and giving him publicity. So part of me hates that I hate him, but. I just do. Because you're giving him exactly what he's exactly. exactly what he wants. He craves that controversy. That's what he's done this for, you know. Um, and uh, he will be loving it and he'll be loving the sort of, um, you know, people calling on him to um, apologise, but then a whole load of, you know, other people whose attitudes are, to say the least, suspect, going, oh, yeah, Boris, just saying what the rest of us think, which is, you know, I don't think most right thinking people do however much they disagree with with somebody think one it's necessarily right to comment on what women wear and two to provide weapons for those who want to have a go at um uh, islam and uh, muslim women and you know there is plenty of islamophobia out there without providing people with the ammunition to to throw absolutely it's a pretty sick and sad way to get yourself to the top if that's what you're going for indeed and i think he is going for it i'm afraid you know he's a man who's not short of self-confidence and you know i think he still thinks he can be leader of the Tory party oh it's tough isn't it <laughs> wow and so going back to what you said about uh, about him being a bit lazy you sort of can gauge that by the way that he dresses himself whether he dresses himself and the way he... It... Oh, no, no. But you see, once again, I think this is a show. Ah, right? OK. Uh, I think there are some people who are genuinely sort of untidy and I'm probably going back too far for some of your um, some of your listeners, but I, I'm doing a book at the moment, actually with Ian Dale, who you did the... who's also done this podcast. And we're doing a book about all of the women MPs who've ever been elected to Parliament Great. Um, in the last hundred years. And I wrote about Shirley Williams. And what people may remember or not about Shirley Williams is that notoriously she used to be sort of quite untidy and have untidy hair and everything. She genuinely did, because she was a busy woman who thought, I just can't be bothered to think about doing, make, doing my hair and what I'm going to wear. I have seen Boris ruffle up his hair before... <gasps> he goes in front of a TV camera. No. So this is not, oh, I'm, you know, I'm just too brainy and too busy to worry about what I look like. This is, a, once again, a calculated effort to look like that. It makes him seem so much more dangerous, right? <laughs> that it's all, it's all pre-planned, isn't it? it's all premeditated. I think he's, you know, I think ever since he arrived at Eton, probably before that, he's been planning how he's going to become the Prime Minister. And it must have been agony for him to see his Eton chum David Cameron become Prime Minister before him. I think the whole thing's been a sort of, you know, trajectory and a, and a plan since then. Do you think that? Do you think it was a bit of a competition then between those two? Oh, well, I'm sure, you know, let, let's be honest, you don't even get elected to Parliament, let alone become a minister without being pretty competitive. Mm. And I always say that anybody who says, um, you know, anybody who's a sort of serious politician who, if you ask them, would you like to be a senior minister or the prime minister? And they say, no, they're a big fat fibber. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I think most people eye the top job. Not everybody is as focused and devious about 
their trajectory to get there as I think Boris is. Okay, but you'd be happy to take uh, David Cameron second, right? <laughs> I think that's, you know. Uh, okay, Boris Johnson. <laughs> At this point, I normally ask anything else on Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've spilled uh, it. <laughs> I think you have. I really think you have. And here to share their Desert Island dicks with us today are comedian, writer and host of the Nobody Panic podcast, Stevie Martin, and writer and activist, Gina Martin, who both host the Might Delete Later podcast. How are you doing? Good, thank you. What a great intro. What a great intro. There's too many podcasts going on. That's my first thought. Yes. (laughs) Everyone should just listen to this one and your two that you do. And then no others. Correct. Now, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Oh, this is actually getting quite bad now. Um, <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it, though? <laughs> yeah, I'm actually really upset. But also, this is another universal one. That So I, when I was at um, university and, like, discovering alcohol, mm. I the first sort of alcohol I would drink was, I don't know why I'm saying like that, um, was, uh, vo- like, you know, vodka and coke or spirits and mixers. Mm. Classic, because they're very, very cheap. And I like wine. Um, and then I was like, it just feels like beer should be... That's I should drink beer because that's like what everybody drinks. It's cheaper than a glass of wine. It's also you can drink more of it without having to get drunk. Like you can yes. have like a couple of pints, mm. whereas having a couple of glasses of wine is like okay. And now you're having to call me an Uber every time. Whereas, um, so so I tried to like beer. I absolutely cannot stand beer. We I've both tried it. hate it. <laughs> I've tried it so much, and also I just feel like in my heart I'm. I'm a pint gal. Oh my god! Like, same. Oh. <laughs> right? Just like, oh, just, is there an, is there like an IPA? Just, just get me a pint of that. Or like, oh, just, just, just get me a pint of lager. What type of lager? I'm not fussy. Any? Like, that's me. Yes. Whereas actually, in reality, I'm like, can I have one that doesn't taste of alcohol? Like a nice rosé, please. Like, I don't want to be that, but that is. <laughs> What's yeah, you, I want to be the cool girl. Like, I want to be like standing on London Fields with like a pint of beer, a load of rings on, like oh, just gesturing <laughs> and talking about my latest design work. Like, it's just such a vibe. But it tastes a can like of bread sweat. stripe. A can oh of bread god. stripe. I, I, oh my god, it's so disgusting. cool. It's like watered down sweat. Mm. It so, looks so cool, but it tastes like shit. Yeah, yeah and and I, and I want I. I Every time I've tried lots of different ones as well because whenever I say this, someone in the vicinity goes, mm, "You should have a Corona." And I'm like, "Shut up! I've had that." Or what about like a Desperado? Where you put like a lime in it or whatever. Mm. It just tastes like sweat with lime in it. And also, yeah. the, the the lighter they are, the more it's like, "Oh, well, just get like, just give me this." Actually, the only thing worse than tasting like sweat is tasting like you've watered down the sweat. Like, if anything, <laughs> just go hard with the sweat, and then at least you've made a decision. Um, and Guinness was the biggest disappointment of my adult life because obviously I thought it was going to be creamy I used to work in bars and stuff and so I'd like you know mm. you, you do it you have to pull the thing twice and all nice and creamy and black with a little I thought it was going to be so creamy and oh, it, just it tastes horrific. like drainage fluid anyway so that would be also it's very dehydrating on the island so yeah. you'd we'd probably die quite soon because mm. <laughs> there's no water um and it's a, it makes your wee like a racehorse. Yes, yep. and bloat. Oh my god, the bloating. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so and, and it's all warm I think, as well. I don't think we need to. Yes, it would go boiling mm. hot. See, boiling that hot, doesn't, wet, sweat beer. That, the boiling hot thing. I want to say, oh yeah, even worse. But I, a cold beer tastes awful to me. So if anything, warm beer would probably go down quicker because I can <laughs> just like get it down. 
Um, yeah, mm. very passionate about this. I think yeah, if there's no, it's pent good. up from years of, um, of of not being able to get involved in rounds yeah. and being like, does anyone else want a wine? Uh, and then yeah. being like, oh, I'll just get my own then and feeling mm. like a sad woman. I think you just want to, you just want to, you want to like it. So I think spending all that time on an island where you've got so much to think about and you're so stressed about so many things and then you're like oh and I also need I re- now I have to drink this beer and I want to look cool while I drink it but it actually tastes like shit it's just not you just don't need the stress on top of everything else I don't think with the whole beer yeah. thing and look like we're going to be sweating enough so I don't want to be drinking it yeah I think these are fair arguments I mean I'm I'm, I'm a beer fan but uh, <laughs> you know I don't like lager but don't know the difference <laughs> well I mean I suppose beer is the umbrella term Lagers like the fizzy one, and now they're all the sort of pretentious IPAs and stuff, which I enjoy a lot. But Mm. I remember, you know, especially as as a man, it's kind of quite liberating when you finally go. I don't like lager. It's always like when you sort of admit to if people go, "Do you see the match?" You don't. No, no, don't have any idea. (laughs) I don't know if I have. (laughs) I don't like football. I don't know what you mean. I don't know if there was a match. Are you? Are you pulling my leg? Oh no, it could be a trick. Anyway, but yeah, it's one of those things where, especially in our country, it's like. You're, it's one of those things you just you're not allowed to not like. There's so much stigma. You're like, what? What do there you mean? Is, Even this one? What about this yes. one? They all oh, yes, and yeah. they like try and make it. I remember um, an ex-boyfriend of mine was is very like that. Very like uh, lager. Um, I eat a lot of meat. The things that men should do. Mm. And I drank pretty much exclusively Gosh. white wine in that period. Of time. I sort of go through periods. Currently, really enjoying uh, Argentinian Malbecs at the moment, but we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but uh, was very much into Sauvignon Blanc, or to be honest, House White, mm. which tended to be Sauvignon Blanc. And um, I remember the first time he was like, we went and he was like, maybe I'll have a white. And he was like, can I have a white wine? And he was like, yes, of course you can. Oh my God, and yeah. then he, he then he specifically only drank Sauvignon Blanc for like two years. And what was so nice about it was seeing how other guys like reacted to him, being like. Sorry, you you want you want a white wine? It's like it's a white wine. It's not called like it's not girly boob wine. Yeah. Like it's all like <laughs> lady lady wine. eyelashes. Like it, it's a it's a white it's a drink for people mm. to drink. Like it's so odd that there's that thing. It is weird how gendered drinks are though. Like my ex my ex um I was gonna say husband. I've never got married. Wow. My ex boss. <laughs> oh okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> my lord, no. My ex boss. He um. I used to work for him for two years and I went back for a couple of drinks and I'd catch back up right before the pa- pandemic kicked off really to see everyone. And I'd turn up to the bar and they would drink. He's Australian. Mm. It's very, um, I'm a dude in Australia, in the bush. Very kind of, you know, what you drink? Mm. Beer, cold beer. Um, and that wasn't an accent. <laughs> and I asked for a, he was like, I'll buy a drink. And I was like, can I have a white wine spritzer? And he was like, no way I'm fucking ordering that. Like, absolutely not. And I was like, Okay, I'll have a big pint of red meat, yeah, please. Yeah. Like, what? You can't even <laughs> order it. Yeah, just mash a shepherd's pie into a cup and then bring it to me. I've set it on fire. Is that manly enough? Yeah. Why don't you order it, but with yeah. your knob out? Is that helpful? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So beer, no thank you. All around the table, beer, no thank you. But I was thinking the other day, like... Wine and beer are like the surely like the two oldest drinks, aren't they? I mean, I haven't done any research, but they shouldn't be gendered because they're just they're the old drinks. They've always been here. But in the old-fashioned, you know, like when you see like Game of Thrones, obviously that's not a real thing. But like whenever they show old period drama, not period dramas, because that's another thing. Basically, war. Old wars. No? Come on. <laughs> we all stuff. know the old old stuff. The it's always like history, Stevie. History. Historical 
things. Yeah. And there's like, they're going into battle. It's like wine. It's red wine. That's what everyone's drinking, isn't yeah. it? They're not like drinking beer. Yeah. They're drinking red wine in like, out of those like nice little, um, all those lovely, uh, sort of like almost like vases. That then they pour and it clinks when they pour it into the glass. Mm. And you're like, well, that's, that's a nice, that's a nice sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a woman thing then. So what happened? What yeah. happened? Um, but yeah. Annoying. I was once uh, working at a bar at a festival and afterwards they say, oh, you know, go and take your pick. You know, you have a free drink to take with you. And they had like a wine, you know, sometimes at a festival bar, there's like a separate wine section, like mm. Jacob's Creek or whatever. And I was mm. like, oh, fancy a nice glass of rosé because it's a really hot day. And I got yeah. this miniature bottle of rosé and it was really wet and I couldn't open it. And there was this massive guy standing next to me. And I was like, could you? Uh, oh, it's okay. And he's like, what, what's wrong? And I was like, I just realised I was about to ask if you could open my tiny bottle of rosé and at that point it felt very gendered indeed. And um, Yeah, and it to... shouldn't because rosé is weird? delicious. Rosé is just like juice. Lovely. It's like, it's like grown saying, up Ribena you know, or something. It's great. And yeah. squash and juice, and juice isn't gendered, drunk. is it? Like yeah. non-alcoholic drinks aren't gendered really, I suppose. Yeah. But it's marketing, isn't it? It's all marketing. It's like the meat thing. Like all of that gendered f- meat stuff came from marketing meat towards men yeah. and like bodybuilding and but then why market it if you didn't if you didn't put it towards one gender then twice as many people buy it exactly you know. yeah it's silly exactly. but yeah i think you've made a great uh, impassioned argument for beer and uh, even though i like it i think it's also ridiculous so i think it's it's fair enough great well thank you again for coming on uh, it's been an absolute pleasure absolute pleasure thanks daniel thank you for having us first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com